So when do you start shopping? Come on, when do you start doing your Christmas shopping? Are you, you one of those people that it all begins on Black Friday? Or maybe it's the week before Christmas? Or maybe it's the day before Christmas? Maybe it's the morning of Christmas? Well, gas station candy bars, you know, some gas station stuffed animals. I mean, I, I have found several Christmas gifts that I have thought about buying in a gas station in Hazen, Arkansas, uh, every year of Thanksgiving, you know? Nice little Pittsburgh Steelers hat for that special someone. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, there's some good things in gas stations. Don't, don't, don't lower that. Or maybe you're somebody that you shop all year long. All, yeah, I mean, you do. It's, it's May, and you're like, oh, I'm going to get that right now. I mean, and, and you just shop all year long. And if you do that, that means you have to hide the Christmas presents, right? You have to hide them so that nobody finds them until Christmas. But there's one problem with that. If you do that, you know what I'm about to say. You forget where you hid them, right? <laughs> or you forgot you even bought them, right? I mean, December's a long way away from that Christmas in July bonanza that you went to at the, you know, first Baptist church over there off Highway 747. You know, you, you've forgotten all about Christmas in July. You, you don't know where that present is. You have no idea. Whether you're looking the day before Christmas, whether you're looking all year long, you forget whether it's those red flannel pajamas that you were getting for Aunt Vernon and, I mean, Uncle Vernon and Aunt May. You forget, you know, what it is that you bought, or, or maybe you're just trying to find that perfect gift for that special someone. And if you do, no matter how hard you try, whether it's online or, or whether you're at the mall or whether you're at a boutique or whether you're at the gas station, sometimes you just can't find that special gift. But what if there was one gift that would fit everyone? Uncle Vernon... Aunt May, even you. What if there was one gift that would actually be the gift of all gifts, the gift that would actually satisfy every part of who you are? We continue our holiday series this morning, You Are Invited. And what we're doing is we're looking at an invitation, really the ultimate Christmas invitation from God. It's an invitation that was given 700 years before Jesus was born. And it is an invitation to come and find the gift of all gifts, the gift that will do a lot more for you than just help you have a merry little Christmas now. So what is that gift? And why do we so desperately need it? Well, let's find out. Our sermon title today is Come Be Near. We're going to be looking in the Old Testament of the Bible in Isaiah 55. God spoke to Isaiah, wanted him to write down the invitation, and we pick up with the invitation in verse 6 this morning. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Can God really be found? I mean, is he, is he really out there? I mean, if we, if we look at everything that's happening in the world right now, doesn't it seem like God's silent? Doesn't it kind of seem like maybe he's hiding? When, when we look at the, the terrible things happening, the, the tragic things happening in every corner of the universe, doesn't it seem like God's on some kind of holiday vacation? Can he really be found? Yes. 
the one true sovereign God of the universe is not hiding. He's not hiding. He can be seen everywhere. He can be seen in the sunrise. He can be seen in the sunset. He can be seen in the, the crashing waves at the ocean. He can be seen in the, the snow on the mountain. He can be seen when the skies are blue. And he can be seen in the glory of this rain today. Dear Christian, always be careful when we say, oh, it's such a nasty day. That's a lie. This is the day the Lord has made. Rain and all. And as believers, because of Jesus, we will rejoice, and we should rejoice and be glad in it. We see the, the majesty and power, the presence of God in the birth of a child. We see the majesty and the presence of God in the death of a believer. We see and find God in the design of the ear. The Holy One of Israel. He is seen everywhere. Even the hardest heart knows that a, a house doesn't just happen, that a, that a car doesn't just happen. It's, it's designed. And a true objective look at creation. When we do that, the, the math doesn't work with the human heart and the human mind that it just kind of happened. Or that it happened over thousands of years just kind of randomly. No, when we look at creation, we look at it like we look everything else in the world. We see purpose. We don't see randomness. We see purpose. We see design. And we graciously proclaim that the designer is the one true sovereign God. And for all of the wonder of creation, God by his own design has manifested himself, has, has made himself uniquely found in one unique, definite place. And that's the Bible. The Bible is not our idea. It wasn't a bunch of Christians' ideas thousands of years ago. The Bible was God's idea. It was His design, His purpose to reveal Himself. Truth, His truth is found in the Bible. And that truth is not hard to find. For many of us, that truth is, is on our shelf at home. We, we may have multiple Bibles laying around the house. That truth is available on apps, on smartphones. That, that truth is available in the, the radio of your car. That truth is, is found on cups, sometimes at fast food restaurants. That truth is found in the prayers and the music and the preaching within the life of the church. God's truth is not hard to be found. It's, it's there. We don't need signs. We don't need wonders. We don't need... Miracles. God has made himself known very clearly. He has given us the miracle of his truth in his book. So can God be found? Yes. He can be found in creation and he can be found in the pages of the Bible. So just a, a simple question. Are you seeking God? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you in the middle of a, a moment of life where you're angry or you're frustrated or you're afraid or, or you're worried? Are you demanding some answers 
for why things are in the world? Are you demanding some answers or just needing some answers for why certain things are happening in your life right now? If so, the question is, are you seeking God? Are you looking for God? Because He is not hiding. He can be found. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was a 57-year-old widower with six kids. And he was confused. He was discouraged. He was overwhelmed with all the things that were happening in his life. And on December 25th, 1863, he, he sat down in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he started writing a poem about what he was experiencing in life. We're scheduled to sing the words of that poem next Sunday in a, in a song that's called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Here, here's just part of his poem. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. There was so much wrong in the world. There was so much wrong in his life that it felt like, it seemed like God was dead. Ever felt that way? Ever experienced something like that? Does that sound familiar to how some people are, are thinking and feeling even today? There's nothing new under the sun, as King Solomon said. But then as he was writing, in the distance, Longfellow heard the bells of Cambridge ringing. And he kept writing. He said this, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, and the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. In the moment that we feel like God is dead, he has made sure that he can be found. He can be found in creation. He can be found in the truth of His Word. God is not dead, nor doth He sleep. Never have those words been more true than on a strange and wonderful night in Bethlehem when Emmanuel, God with us, came to the world. Jesus was born. You see, God doesn't wait for you to find Him. He makes Himself known. He comes to us. He seeks us. He makes it possible for us to find Him. He is not hiding. He can be found. He has displayed Himself in the grandness of creation. He has displayed His intensity and His grace in the pages of the Bible to the degree that there is now a clear record that God loves you. Because He sent Jesus to be born in a manger in Bethlehem for us. And Jesus grew up to be crucified on a cross to satisfy the penalty of sin for us. 
And God guaranteed his love for us by raising Jesus from the dead and making him the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever and ever. You see, the message of the gospel is the best way to find God. Nowhere has he made himself more clearly seen than in the gospel. So if you are looking for God, look to the gospel. If you are looking for God, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And what do we do when we find him? Verse 6 again. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. God is, God is near right now. You are listening to truth about God and preaching and, and singing from children and pastors. and you, you are near God right now. God is near to you right now. And he says, call upon him. Call upon God while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Well, how do you do that? How do you, how do you call upon God? Years ago, I remember I was watching TV one night and a, a commercial for a movie trailer came on. And at the end of the trailer, there's this scene where there's a priest talking to the, the main character of the movie. And this is what the priest said to him. A man can be reached if he has God in his heart. And the main character looked back at the priest and said this, I don't think God is very interested in me, Father. And I can remember that night wanting to shout back at the TV, what? He is so interested in you. He is so interested in you. He has shown his love so much that he sent his son so that you would not die in sin, but that you could actually have eternal life. He sent Jesus so you could be rescued. He's so interested in you, he's not hiding. He's made himself findable by everyone, everywhere. He is so interested in you, dear friend, because he sent Jesus. God has done all of the work and He invites you, invites you to call upon Him. He invites you to pray to Him. What does that mean? You know, what are you supposed to pray? Well, you, you don't need a theology degree to do it. You, you need to kind of do it like a child would do it, right? You just, you just need to keep it simple and you need to pursue God. You just need to call upon Him. God, help. God, save me. So what do we pray? Verse 7. Let the wicked abandon his way and the unrighteous person his thoughts. First and most, if we're going to seek the Lord while he may be found, if we're going to seek the Lord while he's near, what he wants us to seek first and most, what he wants us to call out is to call out for salvation, to call out for him to save us. God's desire is that the unrighteous be made right. Jesus was at a, a big reception one day, kind of like a, a huge Christmas party, and, and at the, the party he said this, Luke 5, 31, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. And he made this announcement, I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, 
but sinners. As we're seeking answers, as we're seeking truth, as we are hopefully seeking God, Jesus is seeking us. He's seeking to save sinners who are lost and without hope in this world and the world to come. About nine months before Joseph found himself in a, a stable in Bethlehem, he had a message from heaven, and this was the message, Matthew one twenty one, And Mary will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We sang it earlier. He will win us. He will save his people. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. He is the Savior. He saves and redeems and rescues men and women and boys and girls every single day from the guilt and the penalty and the power of sin. Has he saved you? Do you have this story in your life? Are you no longer unrighteous, but you are righteous because of Jesus? Things have been made right between you and God. If you are truly seeking the Lord while he may be found, then that seeking, that calling out to God, it must be marked with a desire to turn away and run away from sin. But we don't really like that kind of salvation. <laughs> we, we want another option. We're not really into this thing where we have to abandon something, give up something, right? We say, look, I mean, God, I need you to rescue me from everything I'm, I'm going through in life. I mean, I, I, really, I really need you to rescue me. Things are bad. I, I need your help. But I don't know. I, I don't know about this repenting of sin, the sin I'm... I'm, I'm the sin in my life against you, God, and the sin in my life against other people. I, I, I don't know about that. I, I've been doing this for almost 30 years, three decades now, and, and, and the sad thing that I've seen over and over again is how many professing Christians come to church and come to the pastor like the drug addict of a, of a, of a family. They go home to mom and dad. They make all kind of promises if some things can get worked out. But then they're quickly gone as soon as they find a little bit of money to keep pursuing their addiction. It's sad how often that's how we come to God. We come to God, hey, I got a problem. I need you to fix this. But, but once it's fixed, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. But the call to truly call upon the Lord, to seek the Lord, is a call to repentance to come to a clear understanding in our, our hearts and our minds that we've rebelled against God and we have to turn away from the way that we're living and turn to God. We have to abandon that life and begin a new life. And how do we do that? Isaiah says it very clearly. Seek the Lord, call upon Him, and abandon your thoughts. Abandon your ways. In other words, to, to seek the Lord, to call upon the Lord, means there has to be a change. There has to be a change from the inside out. There has to be a change of heart. And if there's not a change of heart, then there hasn't been a change. There must be a change in, in how we think and how we act. There has to be a, a change in what we do. There has to be an abandoning of the old life and a taking on of a brand new life in Christ. Imagine if a judge sentenced a, a deadbeat dead who was very, very wealthy. 
and he had he just sinfully abandoned his family. He finds him in court, and the judge says, gosh, you're just a rotten scoundrel, so you need to start paying alimony. And so he sentences the, the wealthy deadbeat dad to pay alimony every month, but he only has to pay his wife and kids a dollar every month. That didn't seem right. But you know, some people look at salvation that way. They look at, at coming to God in the same way. They say, well, Look, I'm not perfect, you know, and I don't know, maybe, maybe things need to be right between me and God. Maybe, maybe I do, but, but dying to myself, abandoning my way of spending money, abandoning my opinion on politics, abandoning my opinion on anything, abandoning how I run my schedule, abandoning how I think about rain, hmm. I don't know about that. I think I'm just going to go the route of joining the church, getting baptized, and volunteering, and maybe giving some money to charity. You can go that route. It's just that route doesn't lead to heaven. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 says this, The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, some of you may be thinking, Dude, come on, it's Christmas, man. Let's do a little holly jolly here, all right? Let's get, let's get away from this lying stuff. I don't want to be a liar. Sounds like you're handing out tickets for a guilt trip at Christmas. Come on. I promise it's not what we're doing. We're, it's not a, a guilt thing. What, what we're doing is we are holding out the gift of all gifts that goes beyond Christmas and goes beyond death. You know what I did this week? I called the funeral home and started planning my funeral. <laughs> I did. I ain't no prophet. I don't, I feel great as far as I know, you know. But as I was preparing the message this week, this thought, seek the Lord while he may be found, I was just reminded we are fools to think that we'll make it till Christmas. You're alive and I'm alive by the grace of God. And when I called the funeral home, I, I, I know the lady who answered and I was like, hey. She's like, hey, Dal, how you doing? I was like, good. I don't mean to sound creepy, but I think I want to start planning my funeral. <laughs> she goes, that's not creepy, that's kind. I've, I've shared this with you before. The kindest thing you can do for your family is start planning your funeral. That's the kindest thing. Tammy and I, we're involved in the planning and leadership and managing and maintenance of funerals all the time. It is crazy stressful for us, and it is hugely stressful for families. The kindest thing you can do is plan your funeral. So I started this week. We'll, we'll see where it goes. I hadn't picked out the songs or anything like that. I'm just, you know, I'm just, just hanging in there. And, and why? Because... I'm okay with the reality of God because things are right between me and God. Are things right between you and God? We're not calling you a liar to be mean. If that's true of you, it's, it's because we love you that we say these things from God's word. We long for you to find this gift of all gifts. C.S. Lewis said this, 
Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. All the things we want for Christmas, right? But then he says this, but, but look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. Everything your heart desires is not with your team. Everything your heart desires is not with your candidate. Everything your heart desires is not with Christmas. Everything your heart desires is in Christ. You find him. Everything else that satisfies your soul is thrown in. Therefore, life is perfect and you never have any problems. No. But in the moment when it feels like God is dead to you, if you're in Christ, if you found him, then in that moment, the bells will peal more loud and more clear. Thou, God, is not dead. And Jesus Christ will win you. That's what it means to be in Christ. So when we seek the Lord, when we look for the Lord, when we call upon the Lord, something happens. What happens? Well, there was a woman who found Jesus. And after she found Jesus, she wept so much that at his feet, she washed the feet of Jesus with her tears. In other words, she met Jesus and she became a different woman. There was a man that met Jesus and he quit ripping people off in his business. In fact, he took his wealth and he started giving it away. That man's name was Zacchaeus and, and he met Jesus and he became a different man. There was a man that was physically persecuting Christians. And not only did he quit persecuting Christians, he became a Christian. He, he started pleading with people to repent and turn to Jesus. And they used to call him Saul. Then they started calling him Paul because he met Jesus and he became a completely different man. Jesus told the story of, of a young man who woke up one morning and his face was in a bunch of pig slop. And in the story, Jesus says he came to his senses. But he had to do more than just come to his senses. He had to go beyond that. He had to go home. He had to go to his father in humble repentance and confess his sin. That was the only way to be rescued. And for the last 2,000 years, people like that have continued to come to Jesus. For the last 2,000 years, people like that continue to abandon their ways, abandon their thoughts, and they come running to the Savior the champion, the leader, the king. Have you abandoned your thoughts? Have you come to Jesus? Are you seeking the Lord? And what happens if you do? What happens if you seek the Lord while he is near? What happens if you seek the Lord while he can be found? Verse 7, And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. If you will seek the Lord and call upon the name of the Lord, you get passion from God. 
You get love from God. You get mercy from God. If you abandon your thoughts and abandon your ways and choose to follow Christ, then you will receive a pardon that doesn't just last today, but it's a pardon for sin that never ends. It goes on and on and on. Mercy, compassion, and pardon. Release, rescue forever from sin. You can't get that from your spouse. You can't get that from your parents. You can't get that from your kids or your grandkids. You can't get that from your team. You can't get that from your job. You can't get that from your politician. You can't get that from your government. You can't even get that from your pastor and your church. That kind of mercy, that kind of compassion, that kind of pardon only comes through Jesus. Only comes through Jesus. But when you get it, you get it over and over and over again. When the, when the darkness feels overwhelming, the light of the pardon and compassion and mercy of Jesus shines brighter. And not just in this life, but then that mercy, that compassion, and that pardon, it lasts forever. It never ends. It never stops. In just a few moments, we're going to sing the following words in our closing song. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Come, peasant. Come, king. Come, anyone else. The beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is it is open to anyone and everyone everywhere. It ain't just open to white Southern Baptists in South Carolina. It ain't just open to black Africans somewhere in Nigeria. The gospel is open to anyone and everyone everywhere. Come, peasant. Come, king. Come, anyone else. Come and get Jesus. Come and own Christ as your Savior. Do whatever you have to do to possess Jesus. See, he's the ultimate possession. Ultimate. I was at Academy Sports yesterday. Go get a gift card. I'd go get a few gift cards by gracious demand from my mother and I said all right mom I'm going to academy sports I'll take care of it. I get to the front door nice lady there I wasn't here I was I was out of town and and uh I, I get to the door I said ma'am I need to get about 20 gift cards and she goes oh yeah you ain't gonna do that today <laughs> I said no she said well that's our line for everything she goes it wraps all the way back to the ammo she goes so you're looking at 30 to 40 minutes in line and so I'm standing there going, okay, so when I finally get up there with all these gift cards, then they've got to ring them up all separate. And I was like, all right, have a good day. I'm out. <laughs> but it was, it was massive. Everybody in there buying, you know, it's great, buying presents. But the best gift that was bought at Academy Sports yesterday will never be anyone's best gift. The ultimate gift, the ultimate possession is Jesus. He is the greatest treasure of all treasures. If there's, if there's anything our hearts need to be convinced of, it's that, that Jesus Christ is the treasure above all 
treasures. So that's why we say, come to Jesus and receive mercy. Come to Jesus and receive compassion. Come to Jesus and be pardoned. Come to Jesus and live. Live. The invitation continues in verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That is good, great, grand, gloriously fantastic news. (laughs) Why? Because you are not abundantly compassionate and neither am I. We're not. We are not abundantly compassionate and merciful. We're not. We are selfish and demanding. I mean, come on, just take a minute. Run through the video of your life this past week. Think of that moment with your spouse or your kids or that person in traffic. We're we're selfish and demanding. We're, We're sinful. We're not abundantly merciful. We're not abundantly compassionate. And we are not quick to pardon. No, we are quick to say, I'm not getting my way. My rights have been violated. That's what we're quick to say. We're not quick to pardon. And our love, our love floats with the wind. But not God. Not God. God is ready to forgive. He is ready to pardon. He is ready to love. How do we know? Just look at Bethlehem. Someone said this, Christmas is necessary because I am a sinner. Christmas is necessary because we're sinners. It's not necessary to help the economy. It's not necessary to make sure that we buy that special something for that special someone. It's necessary because we're sinners. It's necessary because God's ways are not our ways. We would have never made Christmas. Never. We would have never pulled off Christmas. Christmas wouldn't have even crossed our minds to send Jesus innocently to grow up, to save us, would never be on our radar. But it's what God did. His mercy and His compassion and His salvation, His freedom, all of those, that's who He is. His ways are not our ways, but those are His ways. Those are His thoughts good news of great joy it's all from God it's all from him so as you go look for that perfect gift for Uncle Vernon and Aunt May and Cousin Sal just remember there is one gift that is actually perfect for them and not just for them one gift that's perfect for me and perfect for you It is the gift above all gifts. And it's a gift that showed up in a manger in Bethlehem years ago. And the invitation to that gift was offered 700 years before Bethlehem ever happened. And that invitation is this. The offended party, God himself, the offended party says, I'm sending salvation. I'm sending pardon. I'm sending grace. I'm sending mercy. I'm sending compassion. You will be able to find me when you find Bethlehem. You'll be able to find me when you find 
the cross. You'll be able to find me when you find the empty tomb. You'll be able to find me when Jesus returns again. And the invitation, it's still rolling. Today, now, you can still find him. You can still seek him. God is still near. And right now, his words have never been louder or stronger or more true. Come and call upon me. Come and live. Come be near.